Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren, and this week as ever I'm joined by my co-host Andrew. Hello Darren, how are you doing? I'm good, and we have two special guests with us. From the Scan On podcast, we have host Jay Coyle. Hello! And we have Queer Hour columnist uh, Ronan Doyle. How are you? Hello, I'm good. So this week we're discussing uh, we're discussing basically Capernaum, a new entry on the list from 2018, uh, a Lebanese film which is broken into the list at number 118, which places it, I believe, above Heat, yes, and below uh, Denis Villeneuve's In Sundays. Uh, but yes, so to join us, uh, so we sort of. This is interesting because I hadn't actually seen the film before we watched it this morning to discuss it. Mm-hmm. But I invited Jay and Ronan on because you guys had seen this. I think I'm not sure if you saw it last year or earlier this year. This year, year earlier this year. Released this year. Um, and I believe you guys immediately tended it as I think it's on both of your top tens of the year. It is. Yeah, in very high contention for my film of the year. Um, it is a remarkable success story. It is a film that has, I believe it's only the second Lebanese best foreign film uh, nominee at the in Oscars history. Um, it is a massive international success. It's earned $54 million at the Chinese box office. Um, Jesus. It's the most uh, successful non-domestic uh, release ever there, is it? Yeah. It, it outpaced Avengers Endgame, to give an example. Say which what? is which is a staggering accomplishment. And I mean, it does all that while featuring everybody's second favorite insect-themed superhero. Um, but yeah, so before we sat down and watched it, I kind of, what is it about this film that kind of really grabbed you? Because I mean, the reaction when you guys saw it was immediate. What was it about Capernaum that really sort of made you sit down and go, this is one of your favorite films of the year for both of you? I just found myself completely emotionally floored by it. I think it's absolutely overpowering. Um, you know, there, there's such a depth of humanity to, to the main uh, actor's face that just on a gut level, it hit me from almost immediately into the film. And I was just, you know, bowled over by it. I was really left reeling as I left the cinema. It had an incredible emotional impact in me. Uh, the main actor there is uh, Zane um, L. Uh, apologies. Al Rafia, sorry, the main actor there is is Zane Al Rafia, who's actually um, he's an actor. Most of the dialogue here was improvised, um, so he's actually he has a very similar background to his own character, who is named Zane as well, in order to keep that sort of improvisational aspect there. For listeners who have not seen uh, Capernaum, just a brief introduction: uh, it is a story about a young child basically trying to navigate uh, survival um, in modern Lebanon. Um, it's a an interesting film. It's a very kind of gritty, urban sort of very grounded uh, view of poverty and of class structure. It's a harrowing watch. Yeah, it is. It's one of those films that I thought when I think when I went to go see it, it was going to be a little um, maybe warmer, a little softer than it was. And kind of surprised. I was taken aback a little bit by the kind of matter of fact approach to kind of the, the lifestyles that the, the kids and the things they endure and the stories it's not softened in any way for a kind of western audience it's like it's very matter of fact about things like um arranged marriage and kind of child poverty and things like that and it's quite clear and explicit that you know these things are harrowing for and the effect they have on kids and the kind of aging them in a lot of ways in terms of getting older before their time and uh yeah it's it's tough like there's nothing easy here nothing at all yeah it's I was kind of a little bit wary um about this film when it when it came out because I'm 
I'm a little bit sort of skeptical about these sorts of films that look at these issues of, say, child poverty and things like that. And particularly a lot of the films that it was compared to in discussions. So I was reading up about it, reading articles on it. It's frequently compared to Lion, for example, the oh, Best yeah. Picture nominee from two years ago, starring Dev Patel, uh, which is a similar story based on a true story about a child who grew up in poverty and then who basically set out to find his parents. But it's also been likened to films like, I know, like, say, The Florida Project, for example, and Beasts of the Southern Wild as well, which are similar explorations of kind of child poverty, but in American context as well. And it's kind of, it's, it's interesting to see that from a different kind of point of view, uh, particularly to see it from like a, a Lebanese cinema point of view. So wh- why were you wearing? I'm a little bit Sarah wearing. doesn't like those films. Yeah, because <laughs> I find myself quite cynical about those types of portrayals of poverty, in particular child poverty, because I, I find them very, and again, maybe this is just, just me being overly cynical, but I find them targeted very specifically at a certain middle-class audience. And particularly when they're released around award season and sort of calibrated for awards, those kinds of movies, and I'm thinking particularly of The Florida Project here and Beasts of the Southern Wild and Lion, when they portray poverty, and particularly child poverty, to me, they always feel kind of like vaguely like an anthropological study to a certain extent. They're like, they they feel, they exoticize it to, to a certain extent. I find myself sort of, there's a distance between myself and it where it feels like it's very calculated in, how it tells a story and how it portrays these realities uh, in a way that kind of maybe puts a distance between me and those films. And I mean, I know, I know Jay's a big fan of the Florida project and Beasts and Wild in particular. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, and maybe that's not fair, but it is something that I kind of, I approach these movies. Yeah. Wary we've, about. we've had disagreements on this yeah. and never the twain shall meet to some degree. Yeah. Uh, Cause you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's a fair point. What is, what is it about the kind of this, misery genre or kind of however you want to characterize it then that 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 does kind of not only have an appeal but kind of have a value well i would argue that there's no it's no different than literally any other film about any other subject it's just how well it's told to my view any story is valid for cinematic uh, adaptation or showing i don't think it makes a difference what it is i mean Every story has a certain kind of, not cynicism, but certain emotional beats and whatever. Like, no matter what the genre is. I mean, the champ has it, for Christ's sake. I mean, you know, going back to, you know, the, you know somebody dying in a film. Every time somebody dies in a film, there's an emotional well, I mean, kind of yeah, cost. They, like, I mean, they, they, that shouldn't preclude certain stories being told in that context, in my opinion. And I think an emotional connection to a film and how well somebody tells a story that they firmly believe in I think the director here is very clear on societal kind of norms and in uh, Lebanon in particular that I think it's it, it it has universal appeal because of a story that anybody could kind of identify with the struggle for like in Ireland for example like if you look at things like direct vision or well even the homeless homelessness yeah. and stuff like that I mean that's a there's a universal measure we can all kind of like we can look at other countries and go that's terrible but you don't have to look far from home to find these kind of things and i think that's important to be told in that way that these things happen and it's okay to portray that and if it does stir a kind of class consciousness in terms of a middle class audience as darren was mentioned earlier then good because they bloody need story but do, does it stir and this, I is, this is why i find does myself it? sort of wary of it does it stir that consciousness or does it with all due respect it did though back in the day when say Cathy come home the the um the Ken Loach uh, film from a long time, which changed a huge amount of things in Britain in the 60s. It's arguable whether society is as 
malleable or as well, prone it's, well, to... Well, there was like four channels or whatever, so yeah. you everybody watched it because there was all else on. Yeah. Whereas now you have like 50,000 channels and all that kind of jazz. So it, whether it'll have the same impact, I have no idea. I mean, it should do. Whether people change because of watching a film or change because they should in general, like that's for people to decide. I mean, I don't know. It's still, I think it's a it's a worthy film regardless. I think in the case of Cafarnam especially, it's done particularly well in Lebanon, where you don't you don't necessarily get a great sense of it from the film, but it's a particularly divided society with a real difference in you know there's a, an income gap that's enormous there. Uh, you, you it's it, I think it's very distinctive aesthetic choice on Lebaki's part here. But in the background of a lot of shots, you can kind of make out skyscrapers that are, you know, they're... They're completely alien yeah, to the world they, in which the film they, operates. Yeah. They're there, but they are not part of his world whatsoever. And the the fairground that he uh, he spends some of the time in the film in is in the shadow of these skyscrapers where you have duplex apartments selling for $20 million. Uh, there's a huge gulf of wealth there. And I think the success of the film and the reactions it's got in Lebanon are reflective of the idea that a lot of people living in that society, and it's a very, very small country where people are living, you know, in very uh, close contacts to people who are in a completely different social situation than them. It has kind of shined a light on something that people not necessarily didn't know about, but didn't think about. Brought to people's door, I think. And I think it's worth mentioning as well that Lebanon, I think, has taken in more refugees and immigrants than perhaps any other country in the millions uh, Mm -hmm. in the last few years. And these things are obliquely touched on in the film. Without without ramming it home, it's quite clear that there's a lot of undocumented people and that people need to be more aware that they have lives and interior lives and children and And the the same struggles everybody has. The very fact that the the young actor himself is a Syrian refugee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll talk probably in a bit more in the the spoiler zone about the ending of the film and particularly sort of the the character and the actor Zane and his fate and stuff like that. And I I think there is an argument to be made there. In particular... The argument is that it has affected Lebanese policy in, in particular, and it has, you know, it, it's drawn awareness internationally to the, the plight of these children as well. So I think it, I think it is a good thing, and I think that Capernaum, and again, not to lay my cards too early on the table, I think it's probably a better example of those kind of films than some of the ones I cited, mm-hmm. where things like, without being too cynical, Lion exists to win awards. Um, but you, you, know. can, you only need to see the trailer to, to know that, though, you know? Well, I mean, uh, I, did, I did watch the film. I did. No, but I, but I saw the trailer. You know exactly the type of film you're going to get yeah. from it. It's a warm, <laughs> sentimental version of those kinds of stories. Yeah. Whereas, whereas Capernaum, because, and again, this is a 2018 film. It's, it's done the circuit. It's come around. It won the grand jury prize at Cannes, I think even like the year before, 2018. Um, so like, I mean, and it's, it's only, you know, opened in Ireland this year as well. It's come around slowly and it doesn't have that sort of, it doesn't feel like it's a product of that sort of cynical marketing kind of push yeah. that I associate with these kinds. I of... don't think it is. And yeah. in fairness, something like the Florida Project probably wasn't either initially. I don't think it was made for that in a lot of ways. It's like it's quite a low budget film and it happened to kind of hit well at a couple of festivals and that kind of pushes you into a certain Those sort thing. of considerations. And, and I think Beasts of the Moyle is its own thing because it's a very fantasy kind of not realistic kind yeah, of sense. It's, it's a different, it's a different kind of film, I, I would argue. Yeah, extent. and I, like, I, although it does hit on some of the similar concerns, well, yes. I, I suspect that I wouldn't put it in that bracket. Oh, oh, those, I think it's a separate kind of film. I wonder how true it is as well that movies get made for to, um, in order to win 
um, awards. Well, the movies get made to make money, yeah, really. Exactly. I mean, that's essentially I mean, it. If you get an award, it makes more money. Well, I mean, we talked about Roma, where Netflix were like, we want an Oscar, and yeah, that's and what we're doing. Yeah, yeah and, and, I know, but that's 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 what uh, uh, Netflix. Yeah. The the the, the algorithm driven. The, they all do. The, the, the distributors of the yeah. The, these are the studios, but ultimately, it's kind of it's a it's 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 somebody telling a story. And, and, it, and it is, and, and, uh, Nadine, and if that story resonates with kind of people who who um, who vote in these awards, and if the studios feel like it's award worthy, then um, I don't know, I don't know what the what whether, the problem yeah. is with that. Whether it's yeah, I don't know. And, and again, being honest, maybe I am being overly kind of skeptical about about those sorts of films. But in, in terms of of Cape Town, Andrew, this was also the first time. This is the first time I saw it this morning. This was the first time you saw it as well. It was, yeah, yeah. Um, so what what were your initial <laughs> impressions of it? Um, I wasn't, um, this, unfortunately, this didn't really, um, get me, um, emotionally. I, I, I came away from this, not really, um, very little sort of impression of the movie. I I felt like I, I, I had seen, I, I feel like I've seen a lot of movies that, um, that are similar to this. Or that kind of um, portray the same sort of thing, and I was I was hoping, I I guess to get um, more of an impact out of it. Now I'm glad to hear that it has kind of it, it meant, meant meant so much to other people, but just for me, maybe just this morning, um, it has it hasn't uh, um, hasn't resonated with me. Um, so I'm, I'm I I guess I'm I'm more kind of looking forward to hearing. Um, about the, what I missed, I guess. Um, you monster! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, normally, the the um, the one of the recurring um, segments is 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 the um, did Darren cry? The the Turing test for, um, <laughs> to discover if Darren is a robot or not. Yeah, when well, we um, all know he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, sorry. But actually, yeah, so before we ask the three questions, in terms of, like, emotionally, because, I mean, we've talked a lot about this kind of academically, we talked a bit about it in context, in types of, you know, maybe even as a kind of a genre of film, but, like, just in terms of distinguishing this film of itself, what is it that makes this distinct? What is it that kind of really speaks to you guys about it? What is it that kind of grabs you? What is the spark that kind of got you that didn't get Andrew to a certain extent? So I realize that's a, a big question to ask. So Twelve questions, uh, also, but yes, yes. <laughs> pick one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the things I really love about it is kind of the emotional tone of it, if you want to put it that way. The the way I was struck by a, a, one particular moment in there, and there are loads of moments like this, where you know you're you have uh, a, it, it's kind of all hinged on this incredible double act between Zane and the kid he ends up looking after for a cleaner he meets in that um, in that fairground. Jonas, isn't it? Jonas, yeah. yeah. Um, who have this incredible comic energy between them. They're extraordinary youth performances. You know, Labaki's managed to get something incredible out of the two of them. But I think one thing that bothered me about the movie was, um, at times, it's kind of lack of subtlety. Like, say, the, the, the father, for example, he's not... He's not this person who's which who's, father? Um, sorry, um, Jonas's father or Zane's father? Zane's father. Okay. He's not. He's not this person who's who's tried to kind of ever put a brave face on things. Um, he he he's um and and is and 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 is failing to do so. 
he he he. I mean, without going too much into it, but he. He's different from, say, Will Smith's character in The Pursuit of Happiness, to pick an example. Yeah. Or even the character of the I, father in Paper Moon. Or, or that there's like something this. more compelling about kind of watching somebody lose hope. Or somebody having kind of at least some sort of a journey from hopelessness into hope or from, from hope away from... Hope. Uh, hope yeah but As this to just it, starting in hopeless and staying yeah it seemed to be it, it's like what more do you want from us we've we've uh we've 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 given up all um all 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 hope um life we've just life, resigned ourselves to life uh, being a sort of a yeah yeah but, i mean to be honest actually i i have mixed feelings about the film as well like yourself that's one part in the movie that i actually quite liked is the fact that it was so incredibly brutally honest and i mean it's it's not in the sense no, honest or like it was it was it was it was unflinchingly grim okay maybe no no but i'm okay and the, the thing is you compare the issue is though that's not the whole experience because you but compare they, that they, with for they, example but i didn't Jonas's i didn't see any she... kind of nuance or subtlety to to to, to that portrayal it was it, that 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 and i suppose sorry i suppose we haven't gone really that deep into um, talk talking about the movie, but but yeah, that that was that was that was something that kind of um uh bothered me, and I, I I didn't I did and another problem I think was that I didn't really I didn't get I didn't get a great amount of 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 um of affection for um uh for Zane and and as 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 cute as um as uh, joining the 250s lovable rogue gallery of like child criminals including the lead character for 400 blows yeah i mean he's 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 a um he's certainly a scamp <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um but yeah and 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 would you um a a a johan as well Jonas? Jonas, I beg your pardon, Jonas. Well, Jonas, Jonas can't Jonas... speak though. Jonas, like, no, yeah, th- that's the thing. Like Jonas is quite cute and everything, but he's, he's a baby, and um, like, I, I then and, and babies and... don't have a huge o- Jonas on Onus, as it were, or Onus on Jonas. Um, but babies, you know, babies. In I would have nominated films... Jonas for a best supporting actor. That's just me. Yeah, where he's turning away from the bottle and just the gentlest yeah. little head turn. I think that is incredible. I don't it's know how it, you get a kid to do that. Amazing. Yeah, no, it was... <laughs> his hands on people's faces and everywhere are great. Yeah, the, the, I won't have a bad word said against Jonas. Andrew. I'm just gonna draw I would die right for Jonas. I would die for Jonas. I want like I I wanted to give Jonas a bat like to the whole whole way through. Like whatever That's about quite having, a point, though, right? yeah, whatever about having the kind of twelve year old child actor kind of um have, scruffy and yeah sort of like yeah just watching unkempt. like a baby kind of you know pick up things from from a floor um, and putting them in their mouth which of course is what babies do but you're looking at the set and you're thinking this, this isn't kind of yeah but it's um, a film set it's not it's uh, yeah not yeah i know i know everything but was sanitized uh, on the set just in case <laughs> we work understand. on the principle that you know the kids no kids were harmed in the making of this film yeah <laughs> i go from there i think i think so i think oh, so i hope so yeah, yeah i love the idea of like jonas now jonas is an improviser we don't know what he's he's like tom hardy and he's a we better actor than tom hardy well, I yes. agree to sorry yes. so 
So we think they didn't go to the trouble. I can understand of, Jonas. I can't understand Tom Hardy. So they didn't go to the trouble of writing them lines, but they did go to the trouble of cleaning everything. Everything on set. <laughs> it's like, what him. are you doing? Writing the script? No, I'm just cleaning <laughs> this. this um, um, getting out the. the Jonas detail. actually did some script um, polishing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's people who are very tight control, known for his product kind of. He does. This is interesting, actually, because I I have issues. I'm kind of more on Team Andrew in terms of my opinion of the film uh, than you guys. But I almost come at it from the opposite angle in that I what I really like about it is the grim, unrelenting sort of acknowledgement that at a certain point when life grinds you down, there's a moment at which you accept it, or not even that you accept it, but that it affects you to a point where you become your parents or you that that argument about things like poverty being a disease and that the idea that you know under certain conditions under certain amounts of pressure you will do things that you don't believe that you were capable of doing or you would try not to do that there's a point at which everything kind of just goes out the window because you're trying to survive and i think the movie is unrelentingly kind of grim on that and i think that's fair i think that's earned and i quite like that in contrast to some of the other films that I sort of discussed in the context of that. Without getting too spoilery, I'm not entirely sure that with that in mind, the ending worked for me significantly. I don't. I think the ending felt to me a certain extent a betrayal of some of that, um, in that it felt like it was maybe unearned or maybe a last kind of a last ditch sort of compromise, as if to say. Everything that we've done to this point has been, and again, not to be too spoiled, we're not in the spoiler zone, but everything we've done to this point has been unrelentingly and uncompromisingly grim acknowledgement that for some people, life is a living hell with no chance of reprieve or escape. And the ending goes, but actually we want you to leave this cinema happy. It's not like, it's not even a spoiler, really. Like, we're still not going to talk about it just for the sake of people who want to kind of watch Watch the movie and that. Why why can't uh, why does it have no possibility of escape though? Why why would that be the case? Well, because for lots of people there isn't. No, but like, the, for mean, lots of people there is. How is there a betrayal of it if some people get luckier and some people don't? Well, because the movie up until that point has been very specific in saying that there is, you know, it it, it pushes down that avenue. It very much pushes the movie in that direction, or at least I, to me. I and think the, the characters okay. are living in that area they are describing absolutely. But there's no suggestion, I don't think, to my mind when I was watching it, both times, that there's no escape for people in that regard. I know I don't get that sense of it. I never had any hope for any of the characters at all. Yeah, but I think that's kind of the point. No, no, I I know that's kind of the point. Sense of of any of them kind of... Um, of, of anything eventually working out for anyone else. But it doesn't necessarily work out for anybody either. I mean, it's it's quite uncertain. I mean, just because X happens doesn't mean that everything else after that's going to be a better roses i mean just mm. it finishes on a freeze frame but i don't think that's being spoilery yeah. and as you all know was if simpson and Bruckheimer have taught us anything uh you know that means the world's going to be rosy from here on in but in actual terms that's not the case here there's no sense that the world's going to be great and in fact small steps towards slightly better than oblivion doesn't necessarily equate to a happy ending in that regard anyway mm. i would suggest Right. I, I kind of, I agree. I'm actually, which is weird. I, I'm with Andrew on the point of like throughout feeling this really claustrophobic, pressing anxiety that like no matter how smart Zane is, no matter what Zane does, no matter how hard he works, 
there's no way for him to get out of that. And that's not a problem with Sane. It's not Sane's fault. It's a result of the society in which he lives. And that's... Well, it, it's a society without any humanity. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Where and he... Or where there is humanity, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's it's not... Like Recurring they're... motif of having to prove that he exists as a human being. <clears throat> yeah. Know, it's the yeah. most obvious the, Yeah, where, and yeah, where... where, where 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 one's humanity isn't acknowledged either like officially or in um just interaction personal interaction yeah 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 um but yeah no so that that's kind of like that's threaded through it and i actually it's weird to say that i liked that uh because it makes me sound like again this turing test robot who has no human empathy or compassion and it's like what are these feelings you speak of what is this hope that you desire but i mean it, it feels true to the story and the world and like it's to be robot honest, voice is fans <laughs> thank it's, you it's nice to see something that doesn't mask that yeah. that doesn't try to dress it up that That's acknowledges exactly. that yeah life is extremely hopeless for some people yeah and that that part of the movie I respect a lot. And mm-hmm. again, I, I'm cautious about using the term like, because that implies that I'm some kind of dude yeah. who's like, watch people suffer and it makes me happy. But it's more like I, seeing that on screen feels like a commitment to what the movie's doing in a way that I genuinely respect. And it, I, maybe the ending, it just doesn't click for me because of, it feels like a sharp swerve. And it feels like it's the only point in the in the film where it feels kind of, like the the movie's how, like we want you to feel a particular way. I how, sorry. See, I don't I don't necessarily feel like that because I I felt a lot throughout. I yeah, think yeah. Uh, the, the idea of hopefulness and hopelessness. I think the film pivots between a lot. There, you know, there are a lot of moments where suddenly Zane starts making money, and then is like locked off from access to this money. And the way everything about the how the cinematography and the score changes in those moments. Uh, had an immediate and intense impact on me. You know, the, the the sort of roller coaster emotional feeling that I suddenly thought, oh, it's gone again. Oh, and oh no. But no, okay, like, this like, is the thing where I, I was throughout like, there's no way this will work. I yeah. Was, yeah. And I, I didn't really like my 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 hopes didn't really swell for Zane even when the movie told me um, that that's what it was meant to be happening. Like, like when, when it, um, sorry, we're, we're, we're getting spoilery. Okay. Think. Well, then let's ask the three yeah. questions, jump into the spoiler <laughs> zone. All right. So first up, uh, let's start with you, Jay. Right. Okay. Do you think that Caper Noun belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? Uh, no, but that's not to say that it won't five years from now, oh. but I don't think any new movie belongs on it. Yeah. We've talked about this, the five year <laughs> yes. moratorium on, yes. defa- on but, naming a classic. Uh, I mean, if you were to remove that, let's say somebody's listening right, to this okay. podcast five years from now. Well, in so far as the films that are on it are on it, then it belongs in that place. <laughs> That's about as far as I'll go. Uh, but it, like, it's it's oh, as in, it's one of my well, favorite. One hundred eighteen. Yeah. yeah, it's one of my favorite films of the year, and in that regard, I guess in that sense. But I don't. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe. It, it is worth noting, actually, that it's one of relatively few Middle Eastern-based sort of movies on the list. Uh, uh, Persepolis was on there very, very briefly. Persepolis, um, Persepolis apologies. Um, a Separation is on there at the moment. Children of Heaven from Iran and stuff like that. Um, and it's also worth noting that this is one of the relatively few films on the list directed by women, outside of, like, The Matrix by the Wachowskis. Um, and I think we covered Wonder Woman when it came in, but Wonder Woman has since gone out as well. Um, and it's kind of maybe worth having in in that regard in terms of broadening because like this is very much Sofia Coppola. 
no, Lost in Translation isn't on there, for example. Was uh, it Ling Ring. Yeah. I don't know if Lost in Translation ever was. But Ling I... Ring wouldn't have been okay, anyway. Fair yeah. point. But uh, I think yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a huge value to it in representative terms. Again, Zero Dark Thirty is on there actually. Sorry, mm. uh, like Jay, I don't know if I'd go around saying it's one of the 250 best films of all time, but it's you know it's on my best films of the year list. It's likely to make my best of the decade. I like it a lot, and in terms of the immediate context, it's better than Heat. <laughs> Whoa! Is it better than? Is it worse than Incendies? I've, I've never seen, seen it. it. Uh, Lucky you. Uh, <laughs> One of the few villains I've yet to get around to. Uh, Incendies is another. It's again, ironically enough, it's another Middle Eastern set film. Um, is not without getting too spoiler a film that I care a great deal about. No, we, we've had this discussion. Um, but what, uh, well, we'll talk about that <laughs> at some point <laughs> the in the other next seven years. The spoiler zone where we talk about every movie. Yeah, ever. Um, and actually, it, it is uh, interesting and these notes as well because we talked about the list being very you know sort of like conventional very sort of like it has a certain type of yeah. film that it likes interesting enough in the past couple of weeks two new films have come in this was one of them but also Parasite from South Korea uh, okay. came in as well and it's so we've seen a lot of uh, Indian films coming in we've seen a lot of Turkish films coming in so it's kind of nice to see the list broadening in that yeah, sense diversifying well. somewhere oh yeah well we've seen like even things like Hong Kong cinema like Infernal Affairs has come back in recently Park Chan-wook still with the, the Handmaiden coming in climbing. and out no yeah. the Handmaiden's not coming in now the Handmaiden's oh, yeah. the Handmaiden's at like 220 at the moment I would like my it, I would agree these, these are all good things it's when these films settle whether they last is always the curious yeah. thing for me yeah. you'll always get a bump I think for a certain amount of films but it's when well, six months Parasite later is at 84 oh wow the 84th best movie Snowpiercer not there, no? <laughs> I know, I know how much you love Snowpiercer. And like, it's worth noting that like Parasite is only screened once in the United States, uh, yeah. which is remarkable as well. It's worth noting, looking at the demographics for this, um, typically the majority of voters who get a movie onto the IMDb are American, looking at how the votes break down. America! Uh, well, no, no. <laughs> but you, if you look at the, the way they're weighted, but if you look at the way... You go Listeners to, the stats, to this podcast as well. Are also, like this podcast very popular in America as well. What's interesting about films like Parasite and films like Capernaum is if you go into their stats, because we're very we're all about the stats here, um, the majority of voters on them are actually not American at all, which okay. is an interesting sort of shift, a demographic sort of push. Well, they'd have to read the subtitles, wouldn't they? Okay, so oh, that's not... More, sorry, apologies more, to all the American viewers. More, more, more that they would have to wait for these movies to be released oh, in America joking, before they... Okay. By the way, who is releasing this movie? Because you said it was like 54 million people in, in China. China. What, what, what I was interested in is, is, is that it used to be that we would get these movies like kind of Amelie and um, Life is Beautiful and uh, Cinema Party. So the world that, cinema startup. That, 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 uh, that would be thanks to uh, Miramax and... Yeah. Uh, a, 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 a lot of the time um, and and more recently we have Netflix but like how how, how is it that we're seeing this movie there's a lot of specialist um, releasing going on at the moment like Mubi are releasing films um, directly online yeah. I think Mubi released Under the Silver Lake at the same time and they, yeah, and they cinemas. release cinemas they're, they're, yeah. they're a distribution company as well now like they yeah. release films every week in the cinema um, and they all and people like Curzon at Home and stuff really are part of release things. But that's not like that. That's for some people in this room might I I guess kind of be be uh, accessible using yeah. those kind of um, no. But they're releasing yeah. them in the cinema. Like okay. they're getting releases. They're, yeah. So you'll see them. You get released. Yeah. You'll get released in Arto Cinema alongside a home release, a kind yeah. of early home release. Like Curzon would have it yeah. both at the same time. Movie would have it similarly. 
Yeah. Okay. So they did, did get relatively decent cinema releases in art house cinemas in Europe. And that, that said, though, like the collapse of, of kind of Miramax and the Weinstein Company. Um, yeah, you know, well, is, you know. No, no, no. But I mean, in terms of it is affecting the sort of trickle down sure. effect. Like things like, for example, you know, these sort of films are typically waiting longer to get to Ireland. Um, That's so things fair. like Force Majeure, for example, premiered at Cannes like a year and a half, I think, before it came to the Dublin International Film Festival. It's a, yeah, but it's a small price to pay to see, uh, to see the like, Weinsteins in I'm prison. Absolutely uh, not arguing. No, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm not for a, suge- a second suggestion you are, Darren. But, but <laughs> no, I take Darren, I don't think we should bring Harvey back. <laughs> <laughs> no, Darren, stop that. Hashtag, what about Force Majeure? Um, but yeah, no. Uh, uh, actually, you need me. <laughs> Oh, sorry, are we, going, are we going full Kevin Spacey Netflix video <laughs> yeah, here? Exactly. Oh, no. Hello, I'm back. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. Stop it now. You knew what I was. Um, but no, I mean, all joking all joking aside, though, it is. I think that Andrew has a point here. I think that's kind of like you are seeing a shift as a result of that. Yeah. Like, again, Capernaum's big push isn't coming from America or Ireland. Parasite's China. big push. It, yeah, well, China, exactly. China, Korea, uh, the Eastern market. Like They're wh- playing a big part on the on the placement on the list as well. Yeah. A lot it. of voters from those parts of the world. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, like we, we talked a bit about how you're seeing more Turkish and Indian films in particular. Yeah. And on August 6th, there was uh, a purge that removed films like Jaws, Donnie Darko, um, and various other films like that. Uh, from the list, Groundhog Day, like films that you know for many American to make audiences. Way for one Purge movie. <laughs> to make way for all four. <laughs> that seems like a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Purge is now positioned two hundred thirty six through two hundred thirty nine. Election. Uh, yeah. uh, but no, to to make room for things, Indian films like Shole, for example. Mm-hmm. But even Italian films like The Legend of Nineteen Hundred, starring Tim Roth as a pianist. No, um, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, that's not a real thing. Um, that's not a film. But um, but it is interesting how you're seeing that sort of shift. So it will be like, there's a good chance Parasite won't be released in Ireland until February next year. What? But it's already the 84th best movie of all time. But it's released in Europe at the moment. Uh, like it's, is it open? It's, it's not released in France. Oh, this is speak. probably because of the Cannes thing. I well, that's where people are seeing it and it's like, but, yeah, we're just yeah. across the water for goodness sake. Just oh, I like, uh, just it like take a ferry, ferry yeah. and go and see. Well, actually, it's like it. he wouldn't have any subtitles on it, unfortunately, but uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, why don't people just go to France? Yeah, this is the obvious. <laughs> I ask myself this all the time, yeah. Andrew. Why don't and they if, just go if, to France? If 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 it's only French subtitles, just learn French. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a small price to pay. It is yeah. for Harvey Weinstein to go to prison. Uh, I will learn French just so he can go to prison. Um, but uh, all right then, and then Andrew yourself, do you think that this belongs on the list of two hundred fifty? Oh, Duolingo is good news. Harvey Weinstein's gone to prison. You can learn French now. <laughs> yeah. um, well, sure. Um, although, yes, apparently a much thornier subject in France, but that's a whole different kettle of yeah, fish. Andrew, um, yeah. how do you feel about Harvey Weinstein going to prison? <laughs> now, um, do you think that uh, Cape Around belongs on the list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? I, it wouldn't. I don't I don't think it would get my vote. So you, you can probably know the answer to, to the, next the question. second pro forma <laughs> question. Though, yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> Jay. Yes. Is this on your top 250, your own personal favorite 250 movies ever made? I have no idea. I've never done that many films in a list. Uh, I love it when guests play along. <laughs> probably not. Um, again, I... It's, it, I guess it'd be in the conversation if I was putting them together, but I suspect it wouldn't make it. All right. Pretty much the exact same answer. Ah, come on now, Ronan. You said this would be on <laughs> your movies of the decade. It is my movies of the decade. <laughs> this is the decade, not the year. Wow. 
<laughs> Sorry, we were so surprised, listeners, that I'm, I'm putting together a Ronan top. did a mic drop. I'm putting together a top hundred of the decade. So when I say it's going to be on my films of the decade, it's it's up there in the hundreds. Oh, okay. So yeah, fair enough. <laughs> the top one hundred of the decade might not all get under two. You get a pass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Andrew, our pro former question. You can give a one word answer if you want. Um. Uh, would I recommend people watches? Okay, that's the third one, but yes, let's go with that one then. Um, not necessarily. No, I I wouldn't necessarily recommend people uh, go go ahead and watch it because I I I I I felt like it it was it was kind of grim, but not to the point where it is um, affected me um, deeply. Which I think if it was going to be that kind of a, a movie, it needed to uh, devastate me and didn't. Um, okay, maybe, that's, maybe that's just me. And, and also, if it's going, if it's, if it's going to, um, if it's not going to do that, then it has to do something else as well. And I, I don't know whether, whether it did, um, whether it tried to do anything uh, um, else really. Um, that was my impression of it, but don't listen to me. <laughs> Jay. Jay. Yes. Would you recommend that listeners uh, watch Post yes. Podcast or not watch Caper Down? Absolutely. I've recommended to people already, so uh, yeah, I would. I definitely would. And Ronan? Uh, well, I had exactly the response that Andrew said that he wanted to have, so yeah, I think very Good. much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So, so exactly that thing that you wanted out of it is what I got. Like, obviously, yeah. I was a lot more sedate here watching it for a second time, but when I saw it in the cinema first, I was a wreck. I was sitting there in the cinema watching the, uh, the credits, just thinking, all right, gather yourself. You have to go outside now. It had that exactly that impact where you said and you describe it perfectly yeah. in terms of what you didn't yeah. get out of it. Yeah. That is what I got. Because, yeah. like, I'm, I don't kind of. I don't try to have a, like a distance with yeah, uh, movies yeah. or, or like I I do want to, yeah to so yeah I'm kind of glad that it's 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 having that um, that Effect impact for people yeah um, and myself I feel a little bit hypocritical because I you guys have, have recommended this to me before and it took this morning for me to actually watch it <laughs> we had to come here <laughs> to, and force you to watch it yes, pretty and much. there's a game on <laughs> yes <laughs> lest we forget what's the score by the way 2-1 to Liverpool 2-1 to Liverpool <laughs> I love that we're dating this um, we'll it could be win, any, it could they be win every match 2-1 2-1 to every Liverpool yeah. match uh, alright then join us on the other side of the spoiler zone Oh, did you answer your, the question? Join us. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, did you answer any of the questions? Answer the goddamn questions, Darren. Okay, fine. In, in quick... Yeah, if you're going to insist on asking the question. Just insult your audience by not bothering your whole answer. <laughs> well, this took a turn. Yeah, didn't it? Just yeah. ganged up on you. Okay, fine. Let's, let's run through the three questions. Um... Does it belong in the top 250 movies ever? I'm glad to see it there. Um, I, You know, it's nice to have a movie like this on there. I mean, are there better movies on there? Are there other movies that I'd like to see that fill that niche? Like, for example, I'm glad to see a Middle Eastern movie on there. Are there better Middle Eastern movies that I choose to put on there? Yes. I'm glad to see more women movies on there. But I mean, being honest, what you should probably do is take off some of the other stuff before you start swapping them out one for one like that. I'm glad that it's there because I'm kind of glad that I watched it, even though it's not going to be one of my films of the year. Um, and then second question would it be on my top one hundred, top two hundred and fifty. My own, no, uh, simply no. Uh, and would I recommend what about the people your top one hundred of the decade of the decade? No, also no. <laughs> um, but also, and then finally, would I recommend that people watch it? Again, I feel like a hypocrite if I said yes because it took me this long to watch it myself. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there are 
it's certainly not a bad movie. Would be no. my take on. I don't think. No, it's a bad I, movie. I wouldn't say it is. It's a bad movie either. I mean, if I if, if if I think it's better than the examples that I cited when it was movies that I was afraid that it would be. Um, I think it's a better movie than those movies. Um, all right then, so join us on the other side of the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. So Ronan, what is Caper now about for you? I think we've already covered a lot of this, that it's about the idea of the sort of relentless drudgery of Zane's life and the way, uh, the, the idea of can it be transcended? I think towards the end of the film, what you get is the notion that maybe it could be if there was sort of more of a sense of state intervention, if the government would work, uh, you know, more directly to help people but i think one thing that i kind of copped this time more than last time that uh labaki is known in lebanon as an actress she's yeah. appeared in uh, a few kind of high profile films she's directed two films before this herself caramel and the caramel and uh, where do we go now um both of which feature her much 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 more directly as an actress she is in this as a lawyer lawyer who's also called nadine as well yeah she is yeah also the same name um she's much much more direct in you know she's a much bigger presence as an actress in both of her previous films and she gives herself a kind of grandstanding speech in where do we go now that uh i think it's one of that film's problems for me that you know as the director she is this is what my movie is yeah yeah pretty much it's it's one of the major drawbacks in the film i should say both of those films i like a great deal um caramel in particular is i like caramel good. i've seen caramel it's very very caramel's good. wonderful uh but actually is that um i think i saw i might have seen um some kind of advertisements and that sort of mm. thing about caramel that's not in kind of it is it it's not a woman who works in kind of a um a hair salon yes yeah, yeah, yeah oh yes yeah no i heard that was very good yeah, yeah. yes her I first song really 2007 like it. it's, yeah. it's very different uh yeah and it's, i got so, over here as well yeah yeah. yeah yeah it's quite a direct comedy it's it broke box office records in lebanon she's she's very very popular and she's built quite a basis on those two films and i think certainly this one has added to that as well but i think if you sort of look at those films and come to this one they're uh, they spend a lot of time with women in Lebanon and telling the sort of untold stories. Caramel particularly is based in this hair salon and you get like suggestions of lesbian relationships. You get all sorts of things. The, the uh, issues of women that aren't talked about very much in, in Lebanese cinema and Lebanese society. Um, and they're, they're great films in terms of the empathy they create. And I think what strikes me a lot about Capernaum is the way that she has sort of repurposed that empathy for somebody that she does not directly relate to. There's, uh, you know, the fact that her presence is so much more limited here, uh, I think speaks to that. And she gets, she's on the... Vaguely metatextual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that it's her own name. She's on the receiving end of, I think, quite an aggressive speech this time from the parents who tell her, you don't know who we are. She's his lawyer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's being quite directly told in that point, who are you to moralize to us? And I think the film for me is just a a real compelling effort for her to get to grips with these people and to tell their stories and i don't think it's terribly judgmental some people have claimed it is of the parents now i think it is there is certainly that aspect of it i felt like they certainly they had they like they had a lot to kind of answer for they did they did absolutely but because like, the, the the point about the the um the end of the movie suggesting that if only the government had done more but they've yes. that they that that the family have um 
uh, rejected the government and have re- re- refused to even kind of register the birth of the children is probably one of the reasons, not or send not, them to school, not the only or, reasons, yeah. but a contributing factor for for why their daughter died and 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 for the for the difficulty and yeah and 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 the fact that there are there are schools that these um uh children should be could 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 be going to and, and receiving state aid from or receiving yeah like and that it's not just a kind of a a a question of oh if he goes to school he won't be able to work it's also a general sort of a resistance to having um any kind of um it's 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 like a rejection of hope in the form of help like um well they they that would that would make things better and life is and uh it what is it it's pig um and um children um are and he's cursing his uh, wife as well like oh, yeah. kind of in in when in, when sort of Zane comes back he has the big argument and he's like while his wife is standing next to him like yeah. I wish I'd never been married. And they, they, I, I feel like the government in this are actually portrayed uh, rather, rather, yeah, somewhat sympathetically compared to um, the kind of uh, families of people or the communities of people. Mm-hmm. These people's communities are um, terrible. Even people who, who um, seem um, like they're not too bad. Like we're kind of told that um, um, Assad is a bad man, and then and then we realize that he's kind of in in um, wants to marry this eleven year old girl, and maybe there's a kind of a a cultural differences between here and there in terms of that, but um, he's not. They don't they don't make a point of 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 making a villain of him really. And and nor nor do they really of um um uh, the the man who works in the in the zook um who Aspro Aspro yeah, yeah yeah he's revealed later much much later on to be to be to be running quite kind of uh, and people trapping in squalid yeah. hard I think yeah. that's quite there uh, yeah, yeah no they they we're 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 told that kind of like he's not to be trusted but that that's um yeah that they, they but sorry my 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 point is that all of these people's communities and families are um uh, terrible and 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 that that by uh, almost by by contrast the the, the government can seem right. like there actually exists to 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 try and do something about about these people but that they're not i i would disagree with that reading of it to a certain degree um i think i think what the families ha- i think the family and i i think ronan makes a point where i don't think it's too judgmental on the family and i kind of agree with it for one reason i think the family, the reasoning, it's hard to apply logical reasoning to something from the outside. And I think the family explicitly rebuked the solicitor and the director in some ways in that regard at the end, in the sense that until you stand in somebody's shoes, it's very difficult. To, like You can say you should do this and you should do that and you should do that. But until you live that life, it's very difficult. Like the, there's an exhaustion in poverty. And I think that's what the back, Levinke gets that really, really well, that pushes people to make choices that they would normally make um takes logic away from a lot of scenarios 
Uh, well, it doesn't it, take logic away, but it so much as removes the possibility of applying no, it. But I, I think, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, sure, but it takes logic away in the sense that you've limited no choices already yeah. and various things come upon people to for the choices they make. They don't necessarily there, there come out. There isn't any of, sense of the parents really are getting across in any kind of compelling way that like we've tried to be good people and we fail. Well, the, I mean, I actually, this is one of the things that I find quite interesting about the film and I actually quite appreciate it is the sense that like in a lot of these movies, I'm thinking of say the Florida Project, for example, and things like Beasts of the Southern Wild, there's a tendency to portray life in these sort of conditions as inherently ennobling to a certain extent. Like, I mean, the thing with the Florida Project is that as much as, horrible a life as the child has had or Brooklyn had her mother loves her very much and is trying her best and doing her best and sometimes that's not good enough one of the things that I find interesting about this and it's actually interesting because like Zane the actor has gone on record and said a lot of this is drawn from my own experiences the big difference is that in real life my parents didn't care for me at all um like so by comparison the parents in the film are portrayed as more nuanced and loving than he perceives them as having been but, like, I will say it's interesting that it contrasts Zane's parents with, say, Raheel, um, who is a mother, who has had a child and is doing the very best that she can to make that work and provide for her child and to survive in an impossible situation. And I think that, like, that works in, like, contrasting this idea of, like, every, you know, everybody not caring. It's not that everybody doesn't care. It's that sometimes life grinds you down to a point where you have no option to care. But I mean, more to that though, one of the things I find interesting is as much as the film keeps Zane's parents out of focus, what it does repeatedly and what I really, really appreciate it doing and I think is very clever is that it puts Zane in a position where he is rendered as a parent um, to the child, to Jonas. And he essentially repeats a lot of the mistakes, not mistakes, but a lot of the cruelties. There's a lot of visual mirroring. That's it, exactly. A lot of visual mirroring. So, for example, you see Zane putting sugar on ice cubes so he can feed them to Jonas because he has no food. And, like, one of the things that the mother-in-law, his mother says is, you've never had to feed your children sugar and water because you can't provide for them. You have the shot of his younger sibling literally chained up in the house with a chain tying them to a radiator or something to keep them from crawling off. He does the exact same thing with Jonas at one point when he's out begging to pick an example but you have even the things tramadol yeah well. the, him learning tramadol him like from selling his mother yeah that's it from his mother and his parents as well because he's got no other option to do that but to survive but even even things like for example when they're talking about Sahar and her being married off at 11 like her you know adult husband is like my mother-in-law you know Sahar's mother was married off at the same age and so is kind of a product of that as well and I think that without the movie focusing too much on Zane's parents, what you get is an idea through watching Zane of how these things happen, how people get worn down in the way that they do. And oh, I say sorry, that- these things don't just happen. He wouldn't be doing these. They, like he like specifically the tramadol thing. He that was a very specific thing that he learned from his from, from his parents. It's not just that these things happen. Well, yeah, he has no other choice but to do that. Much like you can infer from that that Sorry, perhaps they, they have no other choice but to do that. They, he is, he's, he's, he's a child. Very, very, very and is, is, he, I, 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 I do, I do believe that, that, that adults have a choice. Otherwise, every adult in this movie would behave the same way. 
Well, I mean, which not... which 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 they don't, and in 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 spite of all being in the, in this in in the in same similar situation, kind of, yeah. like Rahel, for example. I know, and I I think the movie captures that there are people who are able to get get past that. Rahel is a fantastic mother despite her circumstances in a way that Zane's parents simply aren't. But capable. in fairness to Zane's parents, Zane's parents have about seven kids, and it's a little trickier to, to manage than one kid. Yeah. I would suggest. Well, this well, is this is yeah. one of the things where I kind of come down on on Andrew's side of the debate, where I'm watching it and I'm not entirely sure what to make of it. Uh, Emily Yoshida at Vulture has argued, and I think there's some merit in this, that despite the fact that it never mentions the word abortion, um, Capernaum is one of the most ardently pro-choice films that she has ever seen. The issue, and I, I think there's some truth in that, I think that's accurate, what makes it a little uncomfortable, and this ties into the point Andrew was making, the film has a framing device where Zane is suing his parents. And he's saying that, he's asked at one point, what does he want from his parents? So it's and further than being pro-choice. Well, I know, that's I exactly, this is, well, this is where yeah, I'm going, if you give where, me a yeah. second, all right? I think but, so, yeah. But the issue is, so Zane is asked, like, at one point during the lawsuit, what do you want from this? What do you want to accomplish? And it's not like he wants a, you know, symbolic damages or he wants an apology from them. What he wants is for them to stop having children. And what he wants is for the state, as the arbiter of justice, to somehow stop them from having children. Now, the word abortion is never mentioned. But the fact that his mother is pregnant while this is happening, and the fact that he's asked, what about the child that your mother is carrying in her, ba- in her belly right now? And the fact that he's going to the state and asking them to stop his parents from having any more children makes me very uncomfortable with the film. And I say that, you know... This I mean, is, uh, this, I'm, I'm sorry, I've read this argument from a couple of people. Okay, this sorry. is the... Um, what do you call it? The... And I mean, to be absolutely clear, you know, I am pro-choice. I voted yes in the referendum. I think that a woman's right to choose is her own. The issue is I don't think the film is arguing that. That's my issue with it. As Andrew I said, think I think it goes beyond pro-choice. I, I would, I don't think the film does what you're saying. Though. Okay. I would argue there's, there's a couple of arguments here. I think Zane is arguing regarding, there's two things I yeah. think he's arguing in that sense. One is arguing and uh, the mother explicitly says when she visits prison, if she has a girl, she's going to name it here. And I think he's arguing that he doesn't want to see any more dead children in that regard. Yeah. And that, that might come down to I age, it comes down to poverty, it comes down to other things. And I don't I think, think he's, he'd like to see any more alive children. I th- yeah, I, I don't think any more life in the world than there is would make the world worse. Is, is, well, he has is, this big speech what... when he's calling into the show and you get the shot of him walking across the yard and there's this very much... Like, life is hell. Why am I living? I hate that I'm alive. Yeah, yeah. And yeah that's the... But point he's, he's of bringing the movie from prison. Uh, no, no, I, I, mean, I know. Like, I mean, it's fair for him to say that in, in, with regards yeah. to him. And they're the all only cheering the because finally somebody's saying it. But the, no, and the mu- mu- movie, the music of the movie is kind of like soaring to kind of like... People cheering out the window, waving their it shirts. It is a in film, right? He's, he's on, in prison. He's, for, on, he's on the television and he's telling everybody about how terrible life is. And 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 well, he hasn't had a that, great life, in fairness. No, yeah, yeah, but that's the that's the point of the movie is that it would be better if we weren't alive. I f- well, no, no, well, I mean, uh, it's one in thing in that situation. Movie. That's I think how he feels distinctly. He yeah. as an individual, and the parents make their case, and obviously, but I don't as, think there, there there's any case against that. What? And they, 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 I I don't I don't get the sense from the movie that that in spite of. In spite of all of the um, uh, trials and, and and tribulations that Zane uh, has has been 
true. That the, I don't think the movie is trying to tell us that um, yet, in spite of all of this, there is some value to human life. I, di- I didn't get, get that in, impression at all. Are we, are, so what we're saying is that the beaky is calling for sterilization. Is that where we're at? Like, oh, no, no. All right, just, uh, just so we're clear. Just I, clear I just want to see exactly where you're coming from here. Like, but I mean, the, the I don't. I just state don't, sponsored. I don't, well, I mean, the I don't sterilization seems a step too far for me. I don't. But I mean, like, no, what does the I, film I, want from the parents, like, to not have any more children. Okay, I think yeah. you can overread uh, a certain I, point. I, I do think there's a point to be made here that what's happening in the end, and I think actually the framing device is a little strange yes. and clumsy and odd. Yeah, and it doesn't I always work. After there, there's that, something behind that. that, that take that case. <laughs> but that's, that's exactly the thing. You, you look at it and you think, what's going on here? This is very weird. I think what the film is doing is calling for state intervention. And you have to bear in mind that the film would not get any support like it has from the state if it very directly criticized the state and said you need to support children this way you need to give more money you know the the suburbs that it's set in are sort of systemically uh, underfunded for generations and people are living in that poverty because the state hasn't managed to you know rescue them from it but it's in a world where where people don't want to be rescued and don't and will kind of like refuse to tell the the state anything and and say like oh they, they, like when 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 her kind of son uh, um um uh, Jonas um could be in danger all all of her kind of friends are saying to him don't say don't tell don't tell them about, about about the sun. Yeah, yeah. There's a distrust of state. I mean, there's a distrust of state like everywhere. They'll, like. they'll they'll take your 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 son away. She's she's left she's left her her her, her child with another child. Yeah, like, but the thing what, is, what though, is it a, a horse looking after? A are dog? we are we talking about like if we're talking about Lebanese government or state intervention? And then you look at in in quotation marks the greatest democracy in the world, locking up children in cages. I mean. How, why would you trust the state? Like, well, I mean, like, do you know what I mean? Like, no, why the, would you the, trust the, the state the, in if, general? Like, if the point of the movie is that the state should help out more. The state should help out more. I think that I think that's quite clear. How? Particularly in how? By feeding and sheltering people. I'm agreeing that the state should help out more. I don't think this movie makes a very good <laughs> job of that. Because in order for the state to help out in the world of this movie, they'd have to break down people's doors. And and, the door and feed people them. don't have doors. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, like like that that it's in a world where 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 people want to be left alone. No, and and, I, and I where don't and think where it is in a world where people want to be left alone. I I think you can make an argument for Zane's parents having real struggles around their own uh, parenting and their own abilities to cope. And all that, and the well, kind of pride and shame around that, and then you can have a look at uh, the other situation. I can't remember mother's name. A Ramil, where Ramil she's and, uh, and, uh, undocumented, and when you're undocumented in a country that has taken in, I don't know how many millions of refugees. Yeah, well, that's uh, a, that's, that's, a, that's a very different. But, but that's a huge. Uh, that's a huge part of the film. Though. That's yeah, a huge part is, of what the, it's a the film is talking about. That's uh, a very different situation, but the, but the, it's it it's still strange in the sense that that the. The advice is don't don't tell them about your son because the son will be taken away. Where the concern at that point is not whether her son will be taken away, it's whether her son is safe, whether her son is even alive. Um, But but they it's like the um whatever 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 you do don't don't um don't talk to the government. I mean ultimately it's it's like it's 
it's it's strange because I it seems it seems like a a um in some ways I know and I I I can't imagine it is but the movie seems like it's a, a almost kind of like a pro government anti kind of um. A community movie. Be, I don't, be, I don't be, I think it's. I don't think I it's anti government because, as I think as Roman pointed out, that's tricky to do. Um, in that it's, context, it's explicitly but, not anti government. But because in the end, the film relied on the government support to get an Oscar submission. Yeah. To my mind, it's it's anti government and it's anti what the government they're, does. They're and going do. in and rescuing Jonas, like, and and they're 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 they're, they're probably actually taking. Um, uh, they've probably improved Zayn's life by putting him in prison. I don't know well. that. No, no, really, like, but it, it, in 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 it, he's I like just materially but better. Wait, but, but, but you, but that actual literal line has been used to lock people up for I don't know, like we've improved your life by putting you in prison. Is not really an answer, you know what I mean? No, but but in this movie, all we ever see is. Uh, that, that's why I just, I just thought I thought this movie was 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 strange. Like like it it if if it's meant to be a the government should be doing more narrative, then it's not very effective in that because of because that's not the movie we saw. I I don't mind that too much because I think that there is some truth in the way in which Zane's parents are portrayed. I think that it's a very naturalistic portrayal in that I think that there are people who are and, and we. Like, you don't even have to go to Lebanon to see it. There's a lot of coverage in the States of things like people's attitudes towards welfare as a concept, despite people who live in poverty, that they're very, you know, reluctant to take state aid when it's offered, whether for pride or because they see it as a compromise or because they see it as an unjust interference in their own autonomy and stuff like that. I don't have a problem with the portrayal of, say, Zane's parents refusing to send him to school even though sending him to school is objectively the right choice to make um you know that sort of thing and i i actually that's one of the things that i don't mind too much about capernaum in contrast to say beast of the southern wild where beast of the southern wild is like a child is is kept in poverty by a parent and as soon as the state tries to intervene it's portrayed as monstrous same thing in in the florida project as well where a child is kept in a situation that is absolutely horrible and horrific and any attempt to help that child or to get that child out of it is portrayed as inherently infringing on on the parent's right rather than looking at it from the child's perspective and i mean i say that as somebody whose family has like been through that sort of thing i have immediate relatives like with two degrees of separation from me who have been through that process of like being separated from relatives who are unable to care for them despite their best efforts and at the same time acknowledging that that is traumatic and hurtful and it causes pain and it causes suffering and it inflicts damage for those people it wasn't always the wrong thing to do and they would admit that themselves I don't have an issue with Capernaum's portrayal of parents who are unable to care for their their children and unwilling to accept help to do it, and the idea that sometimes the state needs to step in even if parents won't accept help if it's offered, just on a conceptual level. I would agree I with that. I, I, that makes sense. I would have Sorry. worked in childcare courts and I would have seen this, what Sorry, state intervention can, can do. No, and no. it can be very good and it, and absolutely necessary in lots and lots of cases. Um, and it is, it is and can be and should be supported in that regard as it, some people can't help themselves and some people do struggle in, at levels that absolutely needs intervention, whether they know it or not. 
and sometimes just recognize them can be very very difficult and i think what um Lebiki does here and what what, in, what interests me and i think darren's kind of alluded to it is that there's a matter of fact way of telling this and it's very it's like this is and that's when, when Rona mentioned earlier about not too much kind of judgment here she lets the story unfold particularly if you take it outside the kind of framing device of it the story unfolds in a way that things happen because of the societal structures that are in like in the real terms marrying off a daughter is one less mouth to feed it, these are practical concerns and you'll get chickens and you'll and get chickens and money or whatever the thing is these and are a place where you can yeah, live as well and this is these things are can you can argue and should argue that they shouldn't exist and they shouldn't happen and wherever and that i think don't think anybody would dispute that but they do happen in certain societies this is how life is at certain poverty levels this is how life is where the measure of life is extremely difficult and the measure of how well, much a human, human being is, is worth five hundred dollars yeah yeah um, i mean you can buy somebody for that but i think it's mentioned by asper yeah, at one point yeah. um and less and than it, an id it costs it, less it, it, to buy a human being than yeah, to make and one the, the, the commodity of a person is staggeringly low in that regard and i think the film to my mind is trying to say that we can observe this happening and we do observe a happening all around us now it might not specifically be us as such and this movie might have struck a chord in certain parts of the world where i think it might be a little more easier to see on a day-to-day level and i can see she's to my mind she's pulling back the court and going this is what the reality of it is you can argue the ways and way for us of how society intervenes how the government intervenes how people view it how people view people that are not legal or how people are not people i guess like some people are not seen as people in, well, in, in this case in the, the other yeah. um and, and i think what's really interesting in terms of the the skin color of the two children going around together like they're clearly not siblings but but his mother drank is, a lot of coffee Jeff. yes yes it is yes but it, like the idea that you know one, lighter one, as they grow one up. is probably <laughs> invisible in a society and one yeah. is quite clearly not yeah and these things i think she's saying that are very clear going on in all around us and we don't see it a lot of the time and it's horrible and it's horrible what people experience and it's horrible what governments do and don't do a lot of the time and sometimes you're damned if you're damned if you don't if you're state intervening and i as yeah I, I talked to judges about this before and like sometimes the, the cure is worse than the disease in the sense that some people shouldn't be removed from what they you know because the destruction that can do to families on the other side of it because uh, families are split up etc etc and there's been stories of horrendous things around that kind of thing like where yeah how do you stop how do you what's better how do you wait without taking you them away from exactly. a how do you do family it? structure that has i don't think she has the answers yeah. here and i in fairness to i don't think, I don't think anybody could or, or should in in terms of the film i think what she's doing in a very matter-of-fact way and what i really applaud the film for in that regard is that saying take a look this is this is what yeah. i can see explicitly when I move a camera around, this is when I walk outside my front door, this is what I see. And what do you see it, when you come outside your is, front door? It is good at that. Yeah. And I suppose it, it maybe, um, maybe, yeah, it's not, it's not perhaps a, um, it's not a weakness of the movie that it doesn't provide um, answers to the question. Maybe, maybe I'm kind of looking at it and thinking that it's, it, it's uh, suggesting things that it isn't. I think you're right, Jay. In that it is kind of making us look at things. It's a, and that's a, when when like I would have had similar reaction to Rome when I saw the cinema. I, I was overwhelmed a little bit 
um, after it. And less so to some degree the second time because you know what's coming, etc., etc. But still quite moved by it. Um, but and what I did like about it, and weirdly it shares a, it's somewhat tiny amount of DNA with for Sama, which is out this week, the Syrian film documentary, in that it really confronts you with something that is really uncomfortable. And I think there's there's merit always in shoving things that are uncomfortable in your face mm. and screaming at people to say this needs something needs to be done here because this is not right and because to, to, to be battered around the head where it's the only way something will ever mm. really and i think she's gone as far as she can in the context of a film with that, the support with of the support government and, like, i think that's going to get i'm not sure she could have done, done anything more this isn't ken Loeb's. Like, no it's no, not yeah. but, but that, ken, that, that he does a, like a very good job of um, kind of portraying the, I guess, kind of from what I've seen, the 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 real um dignity of 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 people. And their their troubles and hardships being kind of down to the um kind of society and circumstances that they that 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 they live in. Yes. But I, yeah, I think what this movie does is it, 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 it goes further to say that the, the, the system can take kind of your dignity away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's uh, yeah. And then, then, and how, like, how do you fight back when you everything's taken from you? How do yeah. you even exist? I guess is the thing. And like, the state is a behemoth, necessarily and fortunately or unfortunately, depending on which way you look at it, and whichever country you live in. Or fortunate or unfortunate enough to live in, it can be as uncaring and cold from your perspective. Yeah. Do you know, like from my perspective, the state is relatively benign. I'm no Veradker fan, obviously, but it's a it's a relatively benign state. Right. I can say what I want, I can do what I want. Yeah. yeah. I have a house, right? And but to put myself in the place of, say, Zane's parents, that that place seems to me as far away from me as anything. And a horror story that I wouldn't like to inflict on my own brain to try and make decisions in that space. And that's what that's what I found really interesting that I think Darren alluded to it that it admirably makes them unlikable. Yeah. Uh where it could like and I I think I don't think the director I think the director has a lot of empathy for them. But what she wants to do there, in my opinion, is to show a reality as opposed to there is a dignity and there can be a dignity in poverty and people make I mean, do all the time. Like, anyway, yeah, yeah. Ramil has, has yeah, yeah, yeah. Ramil is like But what she's saying is like there's other people here do, who can't see the wood from the trees a lot of the time mm. and can't exist and and it's, don't know how to exist outside their own room. It's a strange one though, because for for uh for Zane's father it it doesn't like it's not portrayed as if it's some sort of um generational thing it, it the way the way he talks about it is if it was a choice to kind of um people told me that this would be like the making the, of me, the making the of me. Yeah, yeah that your children would be a backbone so it's like um he kind of um uh, this situation wasn't just something that's that um that 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 happened yeah yeah it's, it's or, a, or that he was born into like it's, it's a new kind of to yeah there is like a condition but... expected to and sort of like because i imagine the same way that you know the same way that even and he pointed out that they don't treat the shopkeeper you know who marries an 11 year old girl as a particularly evil man even no, it's if, just like you know that's but, what happens that's what people do yeah like i mean there's, there's a sense when he's going to court that he's he's you know 
he's not exactly crying, but he's timid and he's shy and he's not. Well, a knife and the wherever will do well, that. Yeah, he's in a wheelchair. He's yeah. in a wheelchair. But like the film's portrayal of him is is very similar. It's yeah. like it's a sense of like this is how things are done. This is how I grew up to think that this is how things are done. Why would I find it unusual that Sahir was married off at the same age that her mother was? Isn't that just how yeah. things happen? I think it's alluded to in the film, but not explicitly stated that the dad's an alcoholic. Um, yeah. uh, the two or three times you see him in the house, he's, he's waking up from the couch. And when Zane comes from front, his ID papers, yeah. he's very hungover. Yeah, and, or half drunk still. Yeah. I think that's alluded to as a one of the reasoning. And alcoholism, as anybody will know, a lot of alcoholism is generally passed down in the sense that it's it can be hardwired in the DNA from generational sense. You see where like sons of alcoholics become alcoholics and sons of alcoholics are alcoholics. It happens a lot. Um, and it happens a lot in societies, particularly when poverty is like, you know, cause you'd want to oblivion awaits with alcohol. Yeah. You know, you can avoid responsibility. You can avoid the realities, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever, and I think she, she could have went after and, that as a, yeah. as a point and made it explicit and made it more of a, Hollywood film, I suppose, in, in that regard, like it's because then there's it's clear there's a villain, there's an X, Y, and Z. But I think that's I think she's saying that she's shining around that area and saying there's a lot here, there's a lot of kind of nuances, there's a lot of things going on that continue to exist and will continue to exist, and that's worrying because there's a lot of other kids there. Mm. Tramadol gets advertised quite. quite (laughs) I I, I just ordered some Tramadol online. The power of uh, quite heavily in this movie. I've 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 had Tramadol because I had like um, a a disc went out in my. Uh, back and I, I, don't, I, I don't know what all of uh, the fuss is about yeah now Do having you have said that through clothes I had a very exactly I had a very limited prescription because my doctor didn't want me to become addicted to it so it's like you go it will we're going to give you various addictive substances, but we're... we're it's small uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to go Microphone for a few thing. weeks on tramadol, and then you're going to move on to codeine, and then, yeah. <laughs> then we're going to try cocaine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So none the of, milk of, milk none of them in uh, Maybe if I was well and had tramadol, I'd be like, oh, this I think you would. Great. I think you'd get the <laughs> yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the... We'll try one day. <laughs> I love the idea of like there just being this little box of like, you know, those little pill boxes where you take one a day and it's like, Andrew's like, what have I got today? It's, oh, heroin. Um, yeah. Brown sugar. Time to bring out the old t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, just actually in terms of that, and it's kind of interesting in terms of China, actually, because I'm kind of wondering about this while watching it. Do we think that maybe one of the reasons why the film has been such a runaway success in China, perhaps culturally, is because of its like stress and the importance of state intervention and stuff like that, and particularly its themes dealing with the uh... or have as many kids as you want. Uh, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. This yeah, it it does fit with the kind of population control. Uh, Although that's been relaxed, hasn't it? it, has I think, uh, it has, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, apparently, like the. There are several theories for why it was as successful as it was in China, according to the producers who worked on it. Um, the first one is that the Cannes Jury Prize uh, actually helped a great deal, which is yeah, kind of impressive. Okay. It's amazing to know like the Cannes Jury Prize will get Chinese audiences to go. You put a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you wins the Cannes Jury Prize every year, but yeah, okay, great. Um, and then also um, you have, the, there's the argument also as well that it got great word of mouth as well. Yeah. Um, and interesting, this is one that I think 250 listeners and maybe Andrew in particular will appreciate as well. Um, the producer, uh, Mohammed uh, Hefsi, uh, argued that like what might have helped Capernaum in China is that people might have thought it was an Indian film. 
Because apparently one of the previous highest grossing foreign films in China was the 250s Dangal. Apparently really? they're, they're huge. They love their Indian cinema over there. Jeez, I'd be naming my film very carefully <laughs> if I was making an indie now. <laughs> give me an Indian title and give me something that's very close to it. I'm going to send that yeah. over there. Brian de Basanti too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think we should underestimate the importance of uh, probably the most major credit in there, executive producer Danny Glover. Did you all see that? I did not I see didn't that. Know. Yeah. Wow. wow. Nice. I, I don't know the details. <laughs> That's uh, all I can give you. Okay. It's also worth noting, and again, this maybe brings us back to talking about the end, which was one of the movie, part of the movie that I had a real that I had an issue with. Um, is that like for the release in China, and this is kind of maybe ties back to this idea of getting state funding and getting state support for it to help sell Chinese audiences on this film. Um, the production team decided that they needed a happy ending. Because nobody likes to leave the cinema feeling particularly down. And as we've talked about, there are points at which this is a very gritty, grounded, very sort of like grim view of the world. So what they actually did for the Chinese release, and we didn't didn't see the scenes Mm -hmm. here. They included a credit sequence of when the credits were playing, showing Zayn with his adopted family, not in Sweden, but in Norway. The actor Zane, who's actually been resettled by oh, the United so Nations like, Human like Rights Oh, so like when you see the real life person at the end of a biopic. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure. Yeah, that's exactly. I'm not yeah, even they're sure they're they distinguish between the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Zane is living with his new family Either in Norway. Either the character or, or the, the actor. actor. Yeah, are living with their new family in Norway. Um, and I kind of, that's interesting as well. That's fascinating. Because it's like, it's a, so the idea was that Chinese audiences who apparently love a happy ending as much as American um, audiences left the cinema kind of buzzed with the fact his, that this movie had. his adopted Norwegian father is like, hey, how are you doing, Zane? And he's like, get out of my face. <laughs> I'll, I'll, fist, I'll, I'll put a fist down your throat or something. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Like, Want to eat my fist. Want to eat my fist. <laughs> there I, you go. I kind of, I actually like, yeah, we'll come back to talk about the ending of well, but Zane as a character, the young performer is absolutely, I really, really like Zane. I, 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 I think well. it's an absolutely incredible performance and Labicky hasn't, she's had a, bits and pieces of kids in her previous films. This one, I, you know, I, I remember being floored in the cinema thinking, where did she learn to direct children that well in both cases? I think it's obviously a great performance on his part, but the way she frames the film around them, it's just remarkable. Yeah. I, uh, I want to speak about Jonas for an hour. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's great. I think they're both great, and I think Ronan alluded to it earlier. But they're they're one of the great double acts of world cinema, as far as I can. As you said, appropriate enough that it ends right above Heat. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, I I, I love. Move over, Bobby and Al. We've got Jonas and uh, Jonas and Zane. I really like them together, and it's it's a fitting. And like as you said, Jonas is very young. But I still, the reaction stuff she gets from him is yeah. incredible and fits the narrative perfectly in that regard. And I really, really like it. She directs it so well in that regard. You're Love a baby. It. You're a baby. She, he so hit those expressions though. <laughs> yes, and it's there's a, one scene where remember he, he attempts to leave him and he walks down the yeah. end of the street. Yes. and the first scene that cuts back to uh, thing he's leaning out looking for him like this Aww. at this angle, and it's a yes. remarkable little looker looking around the corner. All of a sudden, yeah. it's like come back. Come back to the cinema. It's like, yeah. come back. Jesus, come back. <laughs> the awareness of it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But exactly. even, and I kind of like the idea. And again, this this gets at the thing that I quite like about this as compared to some of the other movies that are in the kind of comparable thing is the way in which Zane, Zane is very much in the style of, again, it reminds me a lot of the 500 Blows being introduced in prison. Lots of the 250s inappropriate smoking. Lots oh, of yeah. existential despair. Yeah. We bit of food waste too. Not much. <laughs> Not much. A lot of inappropriate smoking. There's both yes. the mother kind of smoking around the, the baby. But there's also um, Cockroach Man. On being, the bus. Being, being He's amazing. if he can stop. He is asked to stop. And <laughs> and yeah. 
This is he's he's sort of out. magical realism no, no, kind of um, quality uh, of cockroach man. Yeah, to that it kind of do, it comes sort of out of nowhere into the movie. Um, he's amazing. Well, he yeah. works at a fairground. It's like a magical world. But um, he's, he is the kind of the uh, the engine that starts an art up essentially. Yeah, like because he. The kid's on his way to his grandmother's house and gets yeah. off to follow Cockroach Man and <laughs> turns off villain. Like, you know, get off yeah, the yeah. bus. Yeah. yeah. I kind of actually love Cockroach Man just as a, as a concept as well. because And again, you have the thing where Zane is wearing pants that have Captain America yeah. on them. Yeah. You have him playing with a Mickey Mouse figurine. You have a little Minions toy that they have inside the house Can with the owner as well. also mentioned one of the great scenes where uh, they try to get this, the, the Madame oh, transferred. Oh, transferred, yes. It's, really fantastic. it's a remarkable little... Slightly farcical uh, all vignette, of it, yeah. all of its own. I want to like, see a full film. Yeah, me too. With the suit, the, the really old fashioned suit. Leaning back in the chair. Yeah, yeah, everything make... about him. He's a great performer as a performer. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he an obviously. What's your phone number? <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, three, four, five, six, seven next. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. But even even like the use of Cockroach Man kind of thematically as well, where the idea that, you know, because you have like. Why do I need a cockroach? When the idea of the cockroach is, and again, this plays out the film idea of surviving. Yes, yeah, never right? dying. That yeah, never yeah. dying. I mean, like one of the interesting discussions. Again, I haven't seen Parasite yet. We'll be covering it at some point in the next couple of months in the podcast. But like this discussion in Parasite of portraying this family, this sort of like lower class poor family, as just trying to survive, and the idea of the resilience. Yeah. Of the kind of the cockroach almost becoming triumphant to a certain extent. I think in, in um, not, and again, this is for his own for all movies, like reading discussions of scenes where they're like pesticiding the house in which the family live in Parasite and the family just standing there and like living through it mm. as a, like a defiant gesture of just existing. But like Cockroach Man even here is this sort of like gesture, this kind of testament to the fact that like he really, nobody has anything but somehow is still surviving and enduring. Yeah. And exists either, in contrast. Either that to, or yeah. it's saying kind of uh, humans are finished. <laughs> Long lived the cockroach. He will be the only one that does yeah. yeah. Cockroach man bitten by a radioactive cockroach and survives the I would the watch this movie. Like I'd watch a spin-off of Cockroach Man all day. <laughs> I, did, I did feel that like despite the fact Andrew, you know, has talked about how maybe he didn't root for anybody in this movie. We should produce particular. that movie soon, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's <laughs> yeah. uh, but like uh, the sequence where Zane is at the fun fair and undresses the lady on top of the carousel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like there are these. Karen li- was thinking of Andrew there. Uh, no, I, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. This is twelve-year-old Andrew. This is Andrew now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, this is Andrew last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was at a point you weren't taking notes because I'm kind of curious what you would have written at that moment in time. But I also, know what I, I know what you would have written at that moment in time. But also, like, and again, there's this level of and again it's a very cold very brutal very harsh very realistic very grounded movie but it's little moments like that that don't feel like a betrayal of the premise in the way that things like kind of joking about it would be or kind of being self-aware is but it's like deriving this weird humor from these situations which are inherently absurd and And there's often a tremendous amount of joy in the human interactions there uh between the the two kids themselves but between uh, the mother and Zane as well, they have a great relationship. Um, there's sort of just tremendously inventive cursing a lot going on when Zane is like running at people, threatening them. I, I particularly like the fact that they rhyme the subtitles when it's like juice that makes you loose. Yeah, yeah. yeah juice yeah, yeah. for every use. It's like I do appreciate it. Pretty good salesmen, aren't they? Uh, like, I mean, they, they're <laughs> I good. I want to drive the bottom. 
Um, I what, wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. <laughs> I wouldn't have bought one. I wouldn't have drank it. <laughs> is there, to be clear, is there tamarind in these two we smoothies? That you no, said? I might have bought one. <laughs> tamarind <laughs> or tramadol? Good point. Yes, indeed, yeah. Um, but yeah, actually, and to, to bring us back, then yeah, the ending is the part of the movie that I kind of I wasn't entirely sold on because it felt. Like, even without that sequence we discussed for Chinese audiences, where you have Zane with his family in Norway and you've got everything is fine and everything's okay. Like, the movie is brutal and unrelenting to the point where, as Andrew described, like, his big phone call and court case amounts to life is hell and suffering. What is the point of it? Why should I exist? I don't want to be born. I don't want to live. And that feels like it's juxtaposed with the actual ending of the film, which is, smile, you have an ID. You're now a person. Um, yeah, his self-help book would be called, like, I'm dead and so can you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, Zane, uh, Zane's, like, guide to getting through life. Yeah, yeah. Your juice is loose. <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, there's a moment where it's like, smile, if this is for, you know, this is, it's a birth cert, not a death cert. Yeah, but I think and, that's... And, like, you get the sense that Zane's like, you said death cert, right? Um, <laughs> finally. It's it's kind of telling in a sense that uh, he's not smiling because he's told to smile. He's smiling because they say it's a birth cert, not a death cert. You know, I think there's yeah. an ambiguity to it, the freeze frame. Like, you know, is he smiling at the irony of this? And it's interesting that you bring up the 400 blows. Uh, there's a similar freeze frame. There's a great deal of ambiguity to a lot of the way these things end. You yeah. can read whatever you want into it. I think that's very odd. I think there's a couple of things at the end that I just, I'd like to point out. One, if either of those kids had died, I would have cried my f- eyes out. I yeah. was I was coming towards the end when I was watching the film. I was like, "Please let everybody live." Well, so hard Please. Yeah, because yeah, it really like I was so caught up in it that I would have been absolutely devastated. I couldn't have taken it, and I couldn't have watched it again. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. have been sitting here. I wouldn't be able to watch it again. Um, it would have been too much. And in that regard, I think you have to take a step back. Whether it works with them or not, I don't know. It, for a lot of people, it will. For a lot of people, it won't. But I, I was happy it went the way it went. Mm. I think it's a perfectly, perfect final shot, and I think. This is the second podcast this year where I've argued that you should have killed a kid at the end of the yeah, movie stop, if you were doing stop it Stop arguing right. killing kids, Darren. Well, Jesus. The Life is Beautiful was the other one. Where you I should have like, killed wow. everyone involved in that film. But anyway, that's <laughs> oh, for different reasons. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah. I, I, well, yeah Sorry, I, I just realised that right, Darren's yeah. recurring critical theme. Younger me would for have been calling for the deaths. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I couldn't have taken it. I actually couldn't have death as well, yeah. I couldn't have taken it. And... Well, Sahara, I, Sahara dies. Sahara does and, die. And yeah, it does, does. No, that's it. It's, it's an earlier on thing. In terms, of she's. I was surprised she's not a main that that character. And by the way, I love that the hospital apparently invoiced them for her death, despite not letting her inside the door. Because he's like, "I have a letter from the hospital," and it's like, "If you didn't get into the hospital, why do you have a letter from them?" Yeah, it's a really. It's a. It's one of those A four pages with the times that it uh, that it opens. Uh, uh, probably. I just sorry. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, it would have been too much for me. And but I do think the mention in the freeze frame. I think I I don't detect happiness from it. And to be honest, I, I I'm very very oh, he is. But yeah. I'm very very worried about his future and everybody's yeah. future in that film after watching it. I think there's a momentary respite at the end, but it doesn't feel even like, the rescuing of um of yeah. Well, I mean that well, again. Is... That that if that didn't happen, I'd have been mm-hmm. I'd have been it. I mean, I'd die for Jonas. I'm not even kidding. Like, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I'd kill for you. I'd kill for you. I'd kill all of you so you Jonas would survive. Anyone, yeah, within listening. But this. yeah, it's, it's very much like the Battle of Helm's Deep sort of thing. It's yeah. like Jonas has been sold into child slavery. This world is hell and suffering. And it's like, but wait, it's okay because there was a police raid and Jonas was found. It, it did seem that he was... Uh, 
on the way to the, that scenario as opposed to in that scenario, if you know what I mean. It, was, it seemed to be caught early on, relatively speaking. Yeah, Because he's like, still in the same country because your man, Aspro, was there yeah. as well. So Managing have, a stall and um, staying at his child's sort of like smuggling ring as well. I bet you well, he's, he's a busy man, there, Aspro. Yeah. Uh, he, you know. he has Yasser. Yeah, yeah, Yasser's <laughs> looking at <laughs> the stand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bring us some Pepsi <laughs> from the... Um, <laughs> Some, from the yeah. stand yeah some falafel but I think, yeah. I think it's if not they suggesting that they have falafel and Pepsi left from, from the warehouse I don't, don't think it's suggesting that it was too far away but I, I would suggest that I needed that by the end mm. like I needed it like a big hug because oh. I couldn't have taken it I, I honestly couldn't have it would have been too much absolutely too much it would have killed me is this is this a, an argument for or against Darren being a robot well we know the answer to that that's Darren. fair that's fair uh, but Ron, what about yourself in the ending? Like, I mean, do you think, like, do you think that any, does any of that, did any of that stuff feel contrived or unnecessary to you? Or like, the frame device I, is not great. I, yeah, I, it not, doesn't need it. It's relative frame device. But as I, as I said earlier, I think there's a certain aspect of, you know, getting at the idea of urging the state to do something and doing it in a kind of roundabout strange way by saying, oh, sue my parents, you know, let me sue my parents. Um, no, I think the ending works for me. I think I I do get a sense of ambiguity out of it rather than an idea that everything will be okay now. I'd agree with Ron there. Yeah, okay. I don't see it as kind of oh everything is grand. I think yeah. yeah, I think that smile freeze frame has a lot in it because you kind of especially the length it's held. I'm looking yeah. at that image thinking it gets worse. Have we seen him smile and because before? Because of the line before it is yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. The, the explicit invocation of a death certificate. You think oh well, that's <laughs> we know we're yeah. in it. <laughs> That's what Yona. That's right. not what Jonas wants. Sorry, what Zane wants. You leave Yona alone. Jonas will will live to lo- a long and happy life. I'll have you know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm waiting for yeah again like the the fourteen sort of like Jonas. structure where they check in on them once every couple of Jonas years. I was oh. happy though. Jonas doesn't want that. But, but, uh, yeah. Zane, Zane but, will take care of it. He just wants yeah. crisps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Man who, after my own heart. Who among us, yeah, doesn't doesn't empathize more with Jonas exactly. than Zane? Jonas yeah. doesn't want that, but we will rain that down upon <laughs> anyone who, who says anything about bad about Jonas. <laughs> um, so, in terms of the film, is there anything else that we want to discuss? Anything that we haven't sort of discussed already? Well, I think mentioning. Uh, Ronan put me on to Caramel after I'd seen this. It was on movie and it's very, very good. Yeah. I haven't seen the other one she's directed, but as a director, I think she's terrific um, and doing really, really interesting work. Um, so I would suggest throwing an eye on her films should they pop up anywhere because she is the real deal. And I'm really hopeful to think that the attention this got, the awards attention as well as the commercial attention uh, and you know the very fact of it's being on the top 250 at this point will kind of boost her profile and allow her to get work made maybe independently uh, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah because it's taken seven years between her previous film and this one i'd like to see something sooner again i mean this is going to sound like a very mixed blessing given whom i had to evoke but if there's ever a context where we can say well when we were talking to adam elliott uh director of mary and max <laughs> which is a great thing to be able to say been a long time um, for that. but uh yeah, that's it. He he's argued that actually having a film on the two fifty was massively um, like a great deal of help for him in getting movies made and yeah. getting financial support. And so is that he was making kind of another movie? He's making one. That's why Thank I said Christ. this is a very mixed blessing. Oh, but at least he's making one. Though. That yeah. makes me happy. Because because Ronan was like, you know, it's, it, maybe the list will help get that word out there. And I'm like, yes, it will. And then he's like, maybe it'll help her get a movie made sooner. I'm like, maybe, maybe temper that expectation <laughs> a little bit. Fair. But, fair. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's actually interesting to see that the list has that sort of effect on it as well. It is actually open the thoughts so in a lot of ways but i can oh, yeah which is good it's, it's kind of it's, it's an odd kind of it's not an award as such but it is kind of yeah. a little kind of nod in their way well it's just it gives you a lot more i 
eyeballs on your yeah, film. People will come along and go, what's this? I haven't heard of this. Yeah, and maybe go watch Chernobyl. it. The TV series. Yeah, well, it was number the, one on The greatest on TV IMDb. show ever made. Would you stop? <laughs> it's There's not. Patented. Yes, it will. Yeah, it, it, uh, you start Breaking Bad. Which has held the rank since 2007. Jay. <laughs> since 2007. Darren, what are you doing to me? Darren. What? What are you doing to me? The and internet loves getting in a tizzy these days. <laughs> Jesus, my blood pressure. Somebody think of my blood pressure. Poor Jonas. But no, but they did. They actually used it to sell Chernobyl. Like if you took out, if you look open the papers, Chernobyl would have no. the greatest TV show of all time as voted for by IMDb. I mean, like this is one stage oh. where we're talking at, like we reached the point where remember when film reviews, particularly for, sorry, film trailers, particularly for dodgy horror movies, like what was it? Um, not, uh, not What's Just it? pick any horror film. But Truth or, Truth or Dare, I think it was, which was the one last year, which was abominable. But yeah. that one used Twitter handles for its reviews. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Remember that was a big fad, yeah. yeah. It's like, if we just if we just Twitter search our movie, we can find somebody yeah. who said something that somebody wasn't awful. Somebody must have said something nice. And therefore we can That's just... That's insane. <laughs> and does so, something mean more now when when it comes from just a, a person on... Because a real person internet. has said it, not one like, of those I, critics. I can understand maybe um, the the people people trusting the aggregation of... of um, I don't of trust like, any of it. Of hundreds and thousands of votes. Yeah. 25,000 votes. And even, even at that, it's not trustworthy. No, I mean, look at things like Black Panther and Captain Marvel and like... like uh, to pick an example, Hustler and Joker... Um, Hustlers, right? Which is, they're both Scorsese-themed movies. They both got good reviews out of TIFF. Joker has a 9.6 on IMDb with 12,000 votes on it so far. And Hustlers has a score of 4. Uh, Even though it's really four, well reviewed. 400 votes on it as well, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, really like Hustlers. I really, I'm really like seen Hustlers. Um, I haven't seen Joker yet. I'm quite interested I'm to see Joker. I'm not looking forward to I'm Joker. I'm quite uh, looking forward. I'm very curious about it. It's going to be fascinating. What? I won't be seeing it. Okay, anyway. Um, but uh, outside of that, oh, uh, interesting about Cape Do we know where the name comes from? Yes, Chaos? it's a biblical thing, right? Yes, so both of you are correct, actually. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you bastards. Uh, you are both it. technically correct. Um, but yes, Andrew's correct that the title is Arabic for Chaos, as appears in the title credit. Which yes, right, I did know that. I did see that. Yeah, that's it. Already. Uh, and Ronan is correct, actually. The Capernaum is a biblical reference. The reason why Capernaum means chaos in Arabic is because there's a story about Jesus, I think, condemning a village uh, called Capernaum, um, which descended into anarchy, chaos, and, and destruction as well, okay, which is Jesus, quite... Eh? <laughs> what a bastard. <laughs> Add it again. Thank you, Zane. I can see why. <laughs> it's amazing. Where that... is this story of uh, Jesus... Um, condemning a, a a a village was um I will find the story and put it in the show notes. But this is the interview with uh, Nadine Labaki from uh, within the New York Times. She talks about how when she was plotting the story with her husband, um, she had yet to come up with the title for it. Um, so she'd written all the things that she wanted to cover, all the ideas, basic ideas for scenes and things that she wanted to incorporate on this giant whiteboard in their kind of living area, yeah. and. Um, she was sitting back, standing back from it, and she went up to the board and she just wrote in the middle of it, uh, say Capernaum, you know, this is chaos. And that's how she seized on Capernaum as a name for the thing. But apparently, yes, it's based on a biblical story, a biblical village that was doomed by Jesus. It's a great, like, it's a great name. I love that. I, love that. I, know that I, I know that Jesus was all about that kind of um, star destruction. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Down the city. <laughs> um, take, like let's, let's take the horses and ride out. <laughs> Let's roll. Um, no. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, good old Jesus. 
Darren is watching the match, I think. <laughs> right now. Certainly <laughs> not running phone. certainly not running to the fact machine to desperately check this. Um No no, it's fine. <laughs> we, we can we can we can wait. We've yeah, looked. I've looked I mean, so as, as you pointed out in a previous episode, people who are dead can't sue us for defamation. <laughs> uh, but there are laws against blasphemy. Good point. Uh, that will, please don't report us, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so I think that about wraps it up then. Uh, unless there's anything else we want to discuss. No. All right, so what we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask guests to recommend something for listeners. And Jay's kind of already maybe recommended something from, from Nadine LeBecky, but I mean, we can also recommend something else as well you'd like to point listeners to. If there's something that maybe if they like this or maybe if they didn't like this, maybe relating to this, maybe not relating to this, just something that they might be interested in sort of trying. But I guess we'll go with Andrew first, actually. I can't think of it. Is this from the 250? <laughs> no, just in general. Oh, Jesus. Like, okay. it could be a now, podcast, it could be a book, it could be a film, it could be a TV show, anything at all. I'd, re- I'd, re- I'd recommend Roma. Be, 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 uh, because that, that was a movie, whatever about it. And I mean, it's a beautiful movie. Um, It's tremendously well made. You can listen to us talk for like an hour or two. Uh, <laughs> about, with audio about it on, as well. Yes, yeah. on, on this very podcast. Um... I think it was one of the few podcasts my parents had listened to. Because <laughs> um, I think they knew that Roma was out and they, and they wanted to kind of figure out, should they? <laughs> watch it. I love this. Should we watch this one hour and 40 minute movie? Let's listen to a two hour and 15 minute podcast and before we make up our minds. I have no idea. Um, Did they watch it in the end? May, no, yeah. it may have been that they saw the movie Roma and then decided they'd, they'd listen to the podcast on the back of that. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Quinn. <laughs> They're not listening now. They have lives. Good point. Yeah. Um, they're, they're busy people aren't listening to this podcast at this point. Um, Jay, do you have anything you'd like to um, add? I've tried out that I recently saw um, the new Almodovar film, Pain of Glory, and it's in my top five of the year. I absolutely loved it. Uh, to my surprise. Yeah. Um, I didn't like the trailer, and it looked awful, so I was actually reluctant enough to see it. And uh, it floored me. Uh, one of my favorite Maldivars. So if it's still around, get to it. Banderas is it quite a year he, between he's, that he's and uh, what is it? This is life. Was the other one, the one starring Oscar Isaac and oh Olivia yes, Wild yes, I saw five seconds of that. That's, that's God, I missed that one. Yeah, Antonio Banderas. You didn't miss anything? I can assure <laughs> Antonio Banderas plays like this wealthy sort of ranch owner who invites a poor oh. man into his study so he can lecture him about how insecure he feels no. and how bad he feels. Just so we're clear, I'm not recommending this. I'm recommending <laughs> yeah. uh, Pain and Glory. Bain Just Bain so we're clear, okay. don't, uh, don't be blaming me on that. All right. Uh, and Ronan, do you have anything you'd like to recommend? Uh, I suppose let's just take some inspiration from Cavernum and go for Germany Year Zero, which is one of the great hopeless children films. I love <laughs> the genre. If you're, <laughs> the if you're enjoying this sort of thing, yeah. go watch somebody in the rubble of post-war Berlin. We've all Grave of the Fireflies if you're really oh, looking, yeah. if you're searching for some misery. Oh. Yeah, Top <laughs> 10 miserable kid films. What's let's that? go. Um, uh, which is what? actually on the list, huh? What's it called? Um, what's that David Bowie song? Uh, How the wind where where when the wind blows. Uh, that was the, the animations. <laughs> yes. um, uh, That's a great film. Yeah, yeah the movie on horrifying. On, I'd recommend that as well. In ter- <laughs> in terms of things that will devastate you. Yeah. So um, how about you, Dan? What what is crushing keep, you? Keeping with this theme as well. Actually, I, I kind of I'm gonna take it a little kind of differently. Um, a film from you can't, a, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, a film, a That's film a from a, a, a woman Middle Eastern director about a young woman as well, about a young woman, a girl walks home alone at night. Uh, yeah. From Anna Liliana Mahor, um, yeah. which I would wholeheartedly recommend and think is very, very worth seeking out as well. Not a follow up, though. Uh, I haven't seen the bad. Batch I haven't yet. either. I, the I'm bad afraid. Batch is, t- tell me, you're not curious. I am. 
You tell me you're I, not curious. Darren, I've a, I've a new double bill of John Travolta late period films. Oh, have you got the fanatic? The fanatic and a poison something or other it's called. Uh, I haven't heard about this one. I'll send you on the link. Okay. But not the link to the no, film, no, but link to the yeah, article. Yeah. Uh, where it's reviewed and the fanatic is mentioned in it, so uh Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The treasure trove. It's Travolta Christmas. Over Travolta here. is really having a moment. With, <laughs> yeah. With those sure. Tell that to his agent. And Gotti. Yeah. Gotti as well. Yeah. I think Gotti is also. We're having like we're counting through Jay's top ten of the year, and we've already Gotti. hit like you know Gotti. 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 Gotti's amazing. It's um, amazing. But yeah, Anna Liliana, of course, um, yeah. which I would wholeheartedly Yeah, well, Mark's is great. It's um, fantastic. She's also done some TV work as well. She's done some great work on Legion as well, which yeah. I know you're not fond of, but her no. fantastic yeah. visual direction storytelling. She's a very well. great visual director anyway, so I imagine yeah. they fit perfectly for that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right then, so let, if people are looking for a bit more Ronan, a bit more Jay, a bit more Andrew in their lives, where can they find you guys online? Catch me nattering on a Twitter, at Baron Ronan. Uh, at Jay Coyle on Twitter, and the Scanon podcast, we're still banging on there. Um, at Darren underscore Mooney. At A Q U I N N I U Q A. Equinuqua. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> That's how I pronounce ah. it. Um, how do you pronounce it? I don't know ever uh, meant to be said. If <laughs> <laughs> you say it in the mirror five times, Andrew will appear and tell you about a new podcast. But yeah, so. I think you say it like recursively over and over again. Yeah. A- I'm terrified. Listeners, now. That's try a, that. It's an incantation. Yeah. It's a biblical. It's a. It's a biblical. biblical we're Capernaum there. We're Jesus sent around. Poor Nelda Kanuka. Where Jesus went for all his hot film opinions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Film but, Twitter. Rain hell down on it all. Oh like, Jesus! You're very harsh in that village there. Yeah. Jesus is a bit much, isn't he? That's the way Jesus we'll rolls. We'll never get invited back there. Yeah. Um, all right then. Well, they did have capers, and uh... we'll be back next week, where we'll be kicking off our Halloween celebrations. The wonderful Dr. Bernie Smurphy will be joining us to discuss The Exorcist, which I think counts as a, a spooky movie, isn't that right, Andrew? It's very spooky. And the week after, actually, because we're extending this, we're going to continue our Halloween celebrations. But she'll be discussing Exorcist to the Heretic. Oh wow! Oh, no, that's, that's one worth talking about. Right there. God, yeah, that's, that's a tough one to get into. A hell of a double bill. We're very much looking forward to that. So take it easy, guys. Join us next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.